This is a Cross of Grace Lutheran Church sermon podcast. On August 9th, 2020, we continued the series, On the Road Again, Jesus Has Left the Building. Pastor Mark preached from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 through 3 and 9 through 18. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, for do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there, Mount Horeb, actually. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, A sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Here ends the reading. First of all, I will confess in case any of you were expecting me to stick to the script for this sermon series, which I laid out in our newsletter a week or so ago, I changed my mind this week. I was originally going to preach about the story of Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch on the road, again, from the book of Acts. But then I realized that this story 
about Elijah was actually the one assigned for today, according to our lectionary. And I realized I was feeling a little bit more like Elijah these days than like Philip or like the Ethiopian eunuch, thanks be to Jesus. So I wanted to wonder some about the prophet Elijah instead. And while this story about the prophet on the run and on the road and searching for God, searching for God in the wind and in the earthquake and in the fire before finding God finally in the sound of sheer silence, while this story is pretty well known, it's important to know what led up to Elijah's Herring holy experience up there on Mount Horeb. The short version of the story is that the prophet Elijah, with the help of God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Elijah put to shame a handful of the prophets of Baal by proving that their God was a false failure of a God. And then Elijah had those false failed prophets put to death. According to the story, which plays out like some sort of divine prehistoric game show, top prophet, you might have called it, or Yahweh or the highway, perhaps. You guys are just as quiet on Zoom as you are in person when I make stupid jokes. Elijah, anyway, challenges the prophets of Baal to call upon their God to rain fire from the heavens in order to sacrifice a young bull and prove his power and prowess as a so when the prophets of Baal, and Baal himself actually, fail to deliver the fire that they desire, Elijah humiliates them in front of all the people. Elijah sets up an altar, digs a trench around it, soaks it, not once, not twice, but three times with enough water to fill a hot tub, and then asks the God, our God, to bring the fire. And the one true God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, delivers enough fire to consume the altar and the stones and the dust and all the water that filled the trench surrounding it all too. And then rather than just leave those prophets of Baal with their humiliated tails between their proverbial legs, Elijah has all of those prophets killed, which explains why Elijah is on the road again this morning and on the run from Queen Jezebel a worshiper of the false failed God of Baal, who wants to avenge her God by putting Elijah to death for his little stunt with those prophets. So on the road and on the run for his life, Elijah finds himself alone and desperate and afraid in the wilderness asking for God. The same God who'd saved him before, the same God who'd established him as a prophet of the one true God, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Elijah asks that God if he might just let Elijah die. But after a dream and some conversation with some angels, after some solid meals and 40 days and 40 nights of wilderness wandering on the road again, Elijah ends up at Mount Horeb wondering what in the world is next for him after all he'd done, after all he'd run from, after all he'd been through, after everything he'd escaped in those days. Elijah, faithful prophet that he was, is aching for, longing for, desperate and dying for God's voice, for God's guidance, for God's presence to teach him or lead him or comfort him or show him something 
anything about what could or should or would be next for him. And haven't we all felt something like Elijah at one time or another in a wilderness of some kind, aching, longing, hungry, dying for guidance, for answers, for comfort, for some kind of direction? And haven't we looked in all kinds of places for those answers and for that comfort and for some direction, for some measure of hope in the face of our frustrations and our fears? Those of you who know about my wife Krista's recent cancer diagnosis will understand why Elijah's story hit a little closer to home than that story about Philip and the eunuch this week. Well, God promises Elijah on the road and up on that mountain that he's about to get what he longed for. Maybe Elijah thought some stone tablets would appear with very clear instructions as had happened before on a mountain once with Moses, remember? Maybe Elijah was expecting a conversation or another meal or another angel like had happened for him before on this journey already. Who knows? None of that happened, though. But there was a great wind, strong enough to split mountains and break rocks. But the answer wasn't in the wind. The wind was followed by an earthquake. But God and Elijah's answers weren't in that earthquake either. And then there was a fire. Remember how much Elijah could do with some fire. But God and Elijah's answers weren't in the fire this time either. And after all of that, there is the sound of sheer silence, utter noiselessness, absolute stillness, pure calm, total tranquility, complete quiet, the kind of nothing and silence and stillness you could touch and feel, silence you could hear even, as bizarre as that seems. And when Elijah hears that sheer silence, that's when he finally finds what he was looking for all along. Direction, guidance, answers, hope, and the sure and certain presence and power of his God. And I don't have any aha moments about what we are currently dealing with at the Havel household or about what's in store for Krista in the months ahead. But I do know how easy it is to keep moving and to stay busy and to keep distracted so that the silence can't get in. The only way I sleep sometimes these days is in the other room with the news on to keep my mind distracted by anything and everything besides what scares me most right now. So Elijah's story is an example and an inspiration for me, and I hope it will be for you too, to not be scared of and to remember our need, really, for solitude, for prayer, for reflection, for stillness, for silence in the presence of God, for time away from the distractions of this life so that we can center ourselves faithfully on what God is calling us toward 
as we make our way in the world. We are called to do more listening than talking sometimes. To be patient more and to push less. Krista and I have realized that the last two weeks have gone by so quickly with so many tests and so many scans and so many results and so many plans. We're quite aware that that's what has made this bearable in some ways. We haven't had time to stop and think and be afraid very much. But I'm certain that that's not what God would have for any of us all of the time. We need more time for silence and stillness, because I think that's where God meets up with our greatest fears. There are earthquakes and fires and a whole lot of craziness swirling around us all the time. There are threats of war and there are rumors of war. There are pandemics and politics and global warming and cancer and the beginning of another school year in the middle of it too. And we are consumed and we are distracted by so many ideas and so many opinions about all of it. So much heartache and so much heaviness. So many lies and so much division, we need to separate ourselves for enough time to be reminded that God is in the middle of it too. Always for the sake of us and always for the sake of the world. And this kind of silence and stillness Elijah found. This kind of listening to and leaning on God who is more powerful than any of it can save our sanity and our lives. It can save our souls on this side of heaven. And I haven't been so great at it lately. But this week, Elijah has reminded me that we're really playing with fire when we refuse to get still, when we neglect to be quiet, when we choose to be distracted rather than allow ourselves to be found by the steady, patient, hopeful, loving silence of God's amazing grace. Amen.